This is an audio-only version of the video series broadcast on YouTube. If you want to experience Me, Myself, and Die as it was originally intended, search for Me, Myself, and Die on YouTube, Facebook, or go to www.memyselfanddie.com. All of the show's playlists, social media links, and other material can be found there. And now, Me, Myself, and Die. So here's a question. As Edbert is now on board the vessel, is there a chance that he runs into Carlos? I, I doubt it. Carlos isn't stupid. He's not going to make himself known. But let let's ask. Maybe there's a chance. Maybe there's a chance that he runs into Carlos. I think it's very unlikely. 45% chance. Oh my goodness. Seven is an extreme. <laughs> extreme. Yes. Well, hello and welcome back once again to Me, Myself, and I. I am, as always, your intrepid GM host and player, Trevor DeVal. Thank you so much for joining me. And if you want to help support the show, please do hit like and subscribe. It's a big help to the show when you do that. And if you really want to help support the show, you can do that over on Patreon. That really helps the show keep going as well. And speaking of keeping going, boy, a lot has happened. On the quest for the Soul Cage... Following the map in Captain Ed O'Nicola's mind, uh, last episode, Edbert and the crew of the Drunken Ghoul 2 made their way to two different locations to find two different clues that would lead them to the Soul Cage. The very last place they came to was a volcanic island upon which a couple of things happened. One, Ero Nicola saw the effect of Urozvad's intervention into Edbert's mind and decided that this crazy tentacle wizard thing was not to be trusted. And so we're going to be adding a thread very soon about how Captain Nicola is going to find a way to betray Urozvad if he can. The second thing, of course, is that we discovered that the clue to the next step on the map resides in the fort of the governor at Stormsworth. So that's interesting because Stormsworth is the place where Edward believes the Order has a base or at least is waiting for him there or, or something like that. He's concerned about Stormsworth, but we know that that's where the, the, the clue is. So a lot of things had happened, but at the very end of the last episode, there was a random event which featured, of course, Carlos, and that event was Postpone Portal's NPC Positive. So I've had some time to think about this now, and I have some ideas which we're going to dice for. But basically, before we get to that, we do have to wrap up the final scene. So the, the first thing we're going to do here is add a new thread, which is Nicola's trying to get out of helping Urazvath. There were no new NPCs, as far as I remember, and I think that's the only thread. No other threads were closed. So we're going to up the chaos factor to six going forward. And the first thing we need to do as Edbert and Wyndham and Nicola and some other random redshirt uh, are on a boat heading as fast as I can to get to the drunken ghoul before the Inquisitor's Leap, a mighty black galleon can get within cannon range. Now remember, Octavius, who is the ostensible leader of the Order, at least he is as long as Sherilyn is dead, he is looking to capture Edbert. Well, really, he's looking to kill Edbert. He doesn't really care about a fair trial. I think Vale certainly does, but Octavius, eh, I don't think it's really in his personality. I think he's really out to kill Edbert based on some of the things that uh, Vale told Edbert way back in episode four or five that it was lucky that she found him because if someone else had found him, they'd just kill him on sight. I think Octavius is that guy. 
Anyway, uh, their goal is to capture Edbert, but their goal is also to get to the Soul Cage because they want the Soul Cage, but they're also going to lure Edbert to the Soul Cage. So for them, this is everything wrapped in one. This is a big Christmas present right here. So their goal is going to be to try and capture this ship. I think Edbert and Nicola both know that. So they are racing as fast as they can on their rowboat to get to the Drunken Ghoul before the Inquisitor's Leap can get into range to fire, because I'm sure it will fire. Ooh, all those big cannons even now. The gun ports are coming out, coming up, and the cannons are being rolled out, so it's, it's bad news all around. So before we do anything, we need to roll to see if the scene is interrupted or altered. Chaos Factor is now at six. Four. We have an interrupt scene. Always interesting. 62. PC negative. That's great. Isn't that great? Well, the only PC we've got here is Edbert. So, <laughs> what is the action and subject? PC negative. 26. Procrastinate. Not good if you're in a race against time. Procrastinate. 20. Procrastinate joy, procrastination of joy, putting off joy, putting off happiness. Happiness is going to be getting out of here, so something prevents them from doing that. Something puts off the joy of victory, which means that I think the Inquisitor's Leap is going to get into cannon range before the ghoul can effectively act. So. Edbert and Captain Nicola row like hell to get to the Drunken Ghoul. They will get there as the crew of the Drunken Ghoul are desperately trying to, you know, hoist the sails and prepare to make way, hauling up the anchor, trying to cut the lines, doing all that stuff they need to do. As the crew of the, that rowboat are, are able to, to climb up the, the ropes and get on board the ship, and because of the PC negative procrastination of joy, <laughs> I think that as the ghoul is trying to swing out and to make way, it gives the Inquisitor's Leap a perfect crossing of the T. They could rake that ship from aft to bow. The Inquisitor's Leap has a cannon score of 10 of 10. Unbelievable. They're going to get a plus two to their roll. Their cannon score is a 10, so it's actually a 12. This is going to be really, really bad. As the mighty cannons of this galleon all just open up. Octavius is no doubt hoping to cripple this ship so that they can board it at their leisure. Let's see what happens. Oh my god, nine. Cannonballs fly across the wave, smashing into the hull and the decks of the drunken ghoul. Let us see what their withstand injury is. Their withstand injury is six. And they roll a four, which means they take four damage off of that. Oh my god. Oh my god. So they take five damage. That puts them down right away to one hull health. No penalties yet. But oh boy, that is a brutal rake. Cannonballs smash into the hull and the, the, the decks of the ship. Men go flying as the explosions light up the decks. Men go flying overboard, screaming. Bits of the sail get torn. Some small fires get started. It's really, really, really bad. And now Captain Nicola launches himself on the ship's wheel and begins to call out orders to get us out of here. Get us on the way now. His men are screaming all over the place. There's, there's men with missing limbs. Blood covers the deck. It's all just awful. Each ship declares its strategy and simultaneously rolls. Well, remember Octavius is not trying to destroy the ship. He is concerned that if he fires again on the drunken ghoul, 
it will blow it up and he doesn't want to do that. He's trying to board it. So I think that Octavius is going to close to board where obviously the drunken ghoul is moving to flee. So the, the ghoul has the advantage here because it's maneuvering is six, whereas the Inquisitor's Leap maneuvering is only four. We start at a distance of five as represented here by this little little marker that says wounds, but that's not wounds, that's just a distance marker I'm using. Here we go, who gets what they want? So the white dice is the ghoul, it's maneuvering on six, and the leap is maneuvering on four. Okay, this is excellent news. The Inquisitor's Leap is so big and bulky, as Octavius gives the commands to turn to chase, the ship just takes long moments to adjust its bearing and try to get on the move and to catch the wind in its mighty sails. Meanwhile, the drunken ghoul, wounded as she is, is still able to increase her range by three, which puts her out to eight range bands. So we'll represent that like that. Under Captain Nicola's expert guidance, he is able to increase the range and put the Inquisitor's Leap far to their aft, which is good. However, we know that the last episode, there was a NPC positive for Carlos which was postpone portals. I have a number of ideas on this, but I'm gonna start with this one. I think that Carlos and Captain Greta, Captain Greta, who is still in the brig, remember, Captain Greta was still uh, a prisoner on the Drunken Ghoul. I think that there was a sailor that came down to feed them, to give them some slop or something like that. At the exact moment that the Inquisitor's Leap showed up, there was a right kafafel on deck, and of course that that sailor immediately responded to the call for all hands on deck. So he ran up and before he did, he didn't lock the cells properly, which would give Carlos an opportunity to escape. Is that the case? I'm gonna call that likely. Here we go, 85% chance for yes, that is a yes, that is exactly what happened. It's not an extreme yes, which means that Carlos sees his opportunity and sees that the lock was not properly locked, the padlock, so he just kind of clicks it and pops it up and is able to escape. Now, Greta is there right beside him. And I think, here's the thing, is Carlos going to make an attempt to free Greta? Well, I think at this moment, that's probably a very good chance considering that Carlos was kind of working with Greta, sort of, it was all for the love and affection of Vale. But you know, I think at this point, Carlos needs as, as many allies as he can get. I'm gonna dispense with the details of how Carlos does this. I'm just gonna ask the question, does Carlos, is he able to free Shores Greta with him during his escape attempt. I think considering the situation, I'm gonna call it somewhat likely just because of the chaos reigning on deck as the Inquisitor's Leap is bearing down on them. And that's going to be an 84. No, the answer was 80. So he is unable to free Shoras Greta. So Carlos is free in the ship. He is now a free radical. <laughs> wandering around the ship, going to probably cause some problems or something. Because again, what does Carlos want? Carlos wants to comprehend love. Carlos wants the affections of Vale, and he knows Vale is on that ship. He wants to get back to her, but he also wants to help her. If he can help her by affecting the capture of Edbert and possibly Nicola too, who has the map to the soul cage, that would be great. But how's he going to do it? He's not going to be able to get down and sabotage the ship like he did last time. He was only able to do that because no one thought that he was a traitor. If anyone sees him, they're going going—they're going to realize that, uh, you know, he's not supposed to be up on deck. So he's going to have a much more difficult time. Meanwhile, let us see as this is happening, what's going on with another round of maneuvering. Once again, closing to board, moving to flee. Here we go. Sixes and fours, sixes and fours. 
Well, both sides fail, which means that uh, neither side uh, increases their lead. So here's a question. As Edbert is now on board the vessel, is there a chance that he runs into Carlos? I, I doubt it. Carlos isn't stupid. He's not going to make himself known. But let let's ask. Maybe there's a chance. Maybe there's a chance that he runs into Carlos. I think it's very unlikely. 45% chance. Oh my goodness. Seven is an extreme... <laughs> Dream. Yes. Okay, and you know where it is? Carlos is going to try and help Vale, so he's going to go to the place where he thinks he can do that most effectively. Does that mean he goes to the captain's quarters? Does he make his way to the... He can't get to the captain's quarters. He'd have to come up on deck, but you know whose quarters he could get to is Edbert's, because Edbert is in one of the bunks below. Yeah! It's an extreme yes. Edbert makes his way down to his quarters to, I don't know, grab his armor or his bow or whatever the case is who knows he's, he's, but the point is he's going to his quarters when he opens the door boom he sees carlos there rifling through his stuff as though he's trying to find something that could be of use to veil and the order carlos turns sees edbert freezes edbert sees him realizes of course that he's escaped and without another word draws his blade okay before anything happens with carlos and edbert i have a question I have a question, and that question is about the quickly growing guardian that Edbert is raising. I have decided that that guardian has five stages of growth. Tadpole all the way up to fully grown. Well, it was in tadpole form. Then we saw it in lizardling form. But now I think it has emerged into juvenile form. It's gotten bigger and more humanoid and possibly more dangerous. Here's the thing. Has this juvenile guardian, has it grown enough to be able to take part in this battle, or perhaps even to attack Carlos from behind, from the shadows? Well, it is here. It's in the room. It's very loyal and protective. I'm going to say that that is very likely. We've got a 43, which is, in fact, a yes. So, Edbert opens the door, sees Carlos rifling through his chest, looking for anything of, you know, use. Ed Carlos spins around. There's a moment where they see each other and both freeze. Edbert draws his sword, realizing what's going on here. And at that moment, from the shadows behind the chair comes leaping this live serpentine humanoid form scale covered looking very reptilian almost like the beginnings of a of what a crocodile would look like as it leaps out of the shadows at carlos <laughs> yes the guardian has grown and now the guardian wants blood blood to grow more and perhaps it'll be carlos's blood oh my goodness okay looks like there's a hand-to-hand -hand combat happening while the ships are chasing each other. Did Carlos get himself a weapon? Mm. I think it's unlikely that he got himself a weapon. 50% chance, 14. He sure did. He has a saber in his hand. He turns to see Edbert. Put that saber down and come with me back to the brig right now. Carlos, he's got his blade up. He's sort of splitting his attention between Edbert and this horrible lizard-like thing that's sitting on top of the table, baring its fangs and its, you know, alligator-like snout, ah, you know, uh, preparing to pounce, basically. Oh, what is this thing? What is this terrible creature? Well, here's the thing. Does Carlos surrender? I don't think he's gonna surrender. I mean, he went to all this trouble to try and escape. He, he could fight his way out, but he knows he's at a huge disadvantage. Does he send? I, I think it's unlikely. 
that Carlos is going to back down so easily. 50% chance of Chaos Factor 6. 77 is doubles, but it's over our Chaos Factor, so no random event. The answer is no, he's not going to surrender. All I want is to get off this vessel and join my beloved on the Inquisitor to sleep. That is all. Stand away, Edbert. I don't wish to hurt you. You don't wish to hurt me. Now that's funny. Last chance. Put down your sword or else. Well, I guess we're going to initiative. <laughs> He's not backing down. I have Carlos's original stats from episode two or one or whenever it was. His timing is two, his strike is seven, his parry is four, his withstand injury is only five because he doesn't have any armor on right now. Meanwhile, Edbert, significantly better. <laughs> oh, and I, I need stats for the juvenile thing. I think it's time he's going to be four. Its strike is five. It's just a juvenile. Its parry is four. Its withstand injury... I'm gonna call it four. So it's not hugely tough at this point yet. First of all, Carlos's timing is going to be eight. Edbert, he's got his long sword, it's going to be at three. And the juvenile is going to be at five, which means that Edbert has to declare first. Well, Edbert is going to faint and attack. He's not too worried about Carlos uh, uh, hitting him. He's going to faint and attack, so he's gonna be a multi-action penalty. Next we go to the Guardian. The Guardian is just going to attack straight up and Carlos while Carlos sees this feint coming in he is going to he's going to parry twice and try and retreat as well which means he's going to be at a minus two because he's doing three actions and he acts first so his parry rolls these are all at minus two his oh this is not very good at all does he parry the first one uh no does he parry the second one he does! Oh my goodness, okay. But the retreat movement. In the modifier stays, uh, roll less than or equal to your movement stat subject to mods. So his movement is five. He's got a two, but he's got to roll three or less. Does he succeed? He does not. So he failed the movement roll, so he's exposed to attacks until the end of the resolution phase when he breaks away and moves a number of meters equal to his movement set or yards. He's not going to retreat until the end of the round, which means all these attacks are going to come in. Now, they're all going to be penalized by minus two. Let's look at the next highest, which is, of course, the creature on five, the juvenile guardian on five. It's going to be attacking at a minus two. Its strike is five, so it's attacking on three. Does it hit him? It misses. What about Edbert? He's coming in with, uh, oh, Edbert. Edbert's faint, which is also going to be at minus one because of multi-action penalty. His faint is normally six, so he's fainting at five. He does not faint. The faint does not work. So he just attacks normally, and it's going to be at a total of minus three. His strike is 11. Minus three is going to be eight. He's attacking on eight. Does he hit? He does hit for two. Not a great, not a great amount of damage. Um, Carlos's withstand injury is five. Ooh, Carlos will uh, take none of that. So Carlos suffers two injury. Bang, Carlos goes down to three. Carlos's saber is actually able to fend off some of the uh, attacks, mostly Edbert's attacks. And at the end of the resolution phase, he is able to kind of fight his way around, one, two, and then jump into the hallway and retreat. So that means that Edbert now is going to flee after him. Edbert begins to shout at the top of his lungs to try and gain the attention of someone else on board. But remember, they're in the middle of a chase and the, you know, there, there's fires on deck from the cannon blasts and all this kind of stuff. So it's very unlikely that someone's going to hear this right away. So we go into a very brief chase. Carlos is kind of hooped here. He's basically got to get up the stairs and his only hope is to basically jump off the side if he succeeds. So we're going to resolve this with a quick chase. This is going to be an opposed movement test, basically. So 
if you succeed, you move your roll plus your movement stat. If you fail, you just move your regular movement. So each of these is a yard, basically. So Carlos has a very, very, very minor lead. Basically, if Carlos wins this, then he will manage to get up the stairs and be on deck, and it will deal with something else from there. Carlos's movement is five, whereas Edbert's is six. So fives and sixes, black is five, white is six. What happens here? Both of them fail, which means that both of them just move their movement, which essentially means that Edward has a greater move. He closes the distance by one meter. So I think what that means is Carlos is able to get to the stairs and clamber up onto the deck, but but Edward is right behind him. I think as Edward leaves the room too, he shouts over his shoulder to this creature, to his little guardian friend, stay there! <laughs> He doesn't want, you know, this thing to emerge on deck in the middle of this panic uh, going on. So Carlos emerges on deck. He's looking around. The crew is frantic as they're desperately trying to get the ship going as fast as they possibly can. In the distance behind them, Carlos can look out and he can see that the Inquisitor's Leap is trying to keep up. Who knows what they're going to do? Maybe they're going to turn to fire another volley. Who can say? But there's going to be one more move. And Carlos turns back. He sees Edbert coming up from the hold behind him, shouting, shouting, shouting. Here's the thing. Does anybody hear him in time to engage with Carlos and to stop him from escaping? That's a question for the fake chart. I think it's very unlikely. There's so much chaos on board right now. 45% chance of a yes. 63 is a no, which gives Carlos another chance to run and leap overboard to try and swim his way back to the Inquisitor's Leap, which is crazy. Could be suicidal, but he's got to go back to his love, to his love veil. All right, let's see what happens. One more chase here. Sixes and fives. Sixes and fives. He completely fails, and Edbert is successful. Carlos fails, which means he moves five. Edbert succeeds, which he moves seven. Edbert closes the distance, and instead of engaging in another combat, Edbert basically just flies at him and tries to tackle him from behind as he's running away. We're gonna call that a muscle roll. I don't think Carlos can defend against this because he's too busy just running as far as he, as fast as he can. Edbert is gonna charge him from behind and basically get some, but I'm gonna give him a plus two. So his muscle roll is at eight. He's caught up with him. He's not trying to stab him. He's trying to muscle him to the ground and he he does succeed, although it's not a great success. So I think he basically, he, he throws himself and launches himself at Carlos. They tumble to the deck together. And at that moment, I mean, that kind of kerfuffle, the rest of the crew is definitely going to see. The long and the short of it is that Edbert gets on top of Carlos and basically like punches him a few times. Stop it! Just just surrender! I don't want to hurt you! Kind of smashing his head against the deck a little bit. And um, other other crewmen are at this point able to come up and basically help Edbert subdue Carlos. So Carlos's escape attempt failed, unfortunately, for him. Bummer. Meanwhile, back to the ship. Well, here's the thing. They are at eight range bands. The, the ghoul is faster than the... Inquisitor's Leap, they have to get to 15 to escape. So, I think the ghoul is again trying to move to flee, but I think that while they have the distance, I think that the Inquisitor's Leap turns to fire her port cannons because they're trying to injure the ship, to cripple the ship. So, move to flee, buy for firing position. Maneuver six, maneuver four. White's on six, black's on four. Oh my goodness, this is great. So, the Inquisitor's Leap is unable to get a decent firing position before the ghoul is able to pull four away, which puts it to 12, which is not only 
outside the optimum firing range of the Inquisitor's Leap, but also only three away from totally escaping. So I think what's happening here is that the ghoul has actually managed to put the island largely between the, the two ships, which is going to afford them an opportunity to break away and escape, perhaps because the Inquisitor's Leap, getting it's a big ship, if it comes too close to these shoals or something, it might, you know, run aground or, or be, be impeded in some way to prevent its, its continuing to chase. Okay, so, it's not over yet, though. It's not over yet. On deck, Edbert and some of the crew are able to take Carlos and basically, you know, drag him back to the brig where they lock him up correctly this time to make sure that he does not escape again. Edward races back on deck after this is done. He sees that the island is now largely between the two ships. Now remember, that island has a volcano on it that is actively exploding. So there's lava pouring down from it. There's a great gout of smoke coming up. I think there's volcanic ash starting to settle. That could actually play well for the, the escaping ship. With all of that ash falling, it's basically going to act like a smoke screen, which is going to help them escape. So that's what's going to happen here. They're once again maneuvering for position. The Inquisitor's Leap must try and catch up. They're out of cannon range. They're out of cannon range. They have to try and catch up. But before we do, I have a question. Is there something that somebody on board that ship can do to aid in their chase? Maybe through sorcery, maybe through who knows what. I think the answer to that is impossible. But impossible, with a chaos factor of six, means there's a 10% chance. Is there some secret weapon that the Order has to, to somehow help them chase down the ghoul? 10% chance. Oh, so close. 14. But no, they don't have anything. Which means we just go back to another round of pursuit maneuvering rolls. Now, oh, here, here's what they can do. Here's what the Inquisitor's Leap can do. They can push. I think that Octavius on board the Inquisitor's Leap gives the order to push the ship as hard as he can so he can take up to a plus three to his maneuver, but his injury level of the ship will basically also suffer the penalty. Is the ghoul going to do that? The ghoul can't really do that. They don't have a lot. I mean, they have crew they could push. Yeah, okay, so here's the thing. Octavius is going to push. He's going to push at three, so that's going to give him a maneuvering roll of plus three, but it's going to take his ship's hit points, basically, stressing the stays, overhauling the lines, whatever, down to six, but he's going to be rolling at seven this round. Meanwhile, I think over here that Nicola sees his opportunity as the volcanic ash is settling between the two ships. He can escape if he pushes his crew to do the same thing. He, too, is going to push his crew. He's going to do it three, so his crew score is going to go down to four, but his maneuver is also going to go up to three. So this, the ghoul is rolling a nine. The leap is on seven. Nines and sevens. Oh. Wow, oh my goodness, the Inquisitor's Leap fails, and 5 is the bonus, 12 and 5 is 17, which is over 15, the Drunken Ghoul escapes the Inquisitor's Leap, and it is because the Inquisitor's Leap has pushed its crew so hard, or pushed the ship so hard, that I think that what happens is some of this volcanic ash gets lodged inside the sails and uh, maybe some fiery magma explodes from the volcano and comes, you know, uh, bits of flaming ash come careening down onto the ship causing fires everywhere. Yeah, they got a little too close to that exploding volcano and they are forced to turn away, which gives the ghoul its opportunity 
to flee into the settling shade of the dust and volcanic ash as it falls around them. Amazing, the ghoul has escaped. <laughs> but Carlos has not. <laughs> that ends that scene. Were there new characters? No. Were there new threads? Not really. Um, Carlos wants to get back to Vale. Is that a new thread? Yeah, I think I'm gonna, I'm gonna add that as a thread. Carlos uh, is desperate to return to Vale. His intention has been made clear now. He can no longer pretend to try and be a loyal member of the crew. No threads were closed. The chaos factor is going up to seven. That was pretty chaotic. And the ship is badly hurt. It is not suffering penalties, but it is badly hurt. It's down to basically one hit point. So the crew spends the next little while putting out fires, tending to the wounded, uh, tending to the to the damaged masts and, and, and uh, hull. Up on deck, Nicola comes back to the prow of the ship. Well, Edbert, that was closer than I like. The ghoul has taken bad damage and we're going to have to effect repairs. Normally, I'd say, since we're on our way to Stormsworth anyway to follow the next clue on the map, I'd say that we could put in there, but you've said that uh, the order could be waiting for you there or, or might have some sort of base there. I don't know much about it, I'm afraid. I just know that it's going to be dangerous for me to go to Stormsworth and probably dangerous for you as well. I don't think they're going to be quite so accommodating as to just let us sail into Stormsworth, find a clue and carry on. I just don't know how much influence they have. I don't know who the governor is or, uh, well, Nicola would know. Huh, let's find out. Is the governor at Stormsworth a governor from Tikal Dandala? The answer is extreme yes. The governor at Stormsworth is from Tikal Dandala. Now how that affects us, I don't rightly know. I do know this. Tikal Dundala has made it clear that they will brook no competition from the League of Free Lords. So the governor of Tikal Dundala, if he knows that the Order is in league with the pirates, he's not going to be exactly tolerant of the Order in the streets of Stormsworth. That is an assumption, Edbert. But it stands to reason, aye. If the Order of the Purifying Flame is openly in league with the pirates, I don't imagine that's going to endear them too well to the governor at Stormsworth. Well, that means the Order might be operating in secret in Stormsworth. That's good news, Captain. It means that the Order is going to have to keep themselves out of sight as much as we are. That's an advantage. That's a good advantage. I have a question about the clue in Stormsworth. Is this clue the final clue on the way to the Soul Cage? I think the answer is likely. This could be the last clue on the way to the soul cage. The answer is yes. Now, of course, Nicola knows this because he knows the symbols on the map. By the way, you should know that according to the map that I have in my memory, the clue at the governor's fort in Stormsworth is the last one. Once we decipher what that clue is, whatever it might be hiding, whatever it might be, that will show us the final location of the Soul Cage. Be happy, Edbert. Our quest is nearing its end. But first things first, what I might recommend is that we find an uncharted island somewhere, go ashore, get enough timbers to effect repairs ourselves. Now, it's not as good as a port, but it's better than 
anything else I can think of at the moment. I think it's safe to assume that the Drunken Ghoul finds some small uncharted island, and over the next few days, Nicola sends shore parties to, to go cut down some timbers, bring them back, uh, cut some strikes the whole bit, cut some, some, some pieces of lumber to effect repairs on the ship. That's going to take them some days to do it. So my question is, while they are at anchor off this small island making repairs on the Drunken Ghoul, it is possible that the Inquisitor's Leap finds them. I think it's unlikely that the Inquisitor's Leap has found them again, but it is possible. 55% chance. Here we go. No. The Inquisitor's Leap has not found them, which means that after about five days, the ship is made ready once again, and they set sail for Stormsworth, but they know that Stormsworth is governed by Tikal Dundala, so it's going to have some sort of Tikal Dundalish military vessels there, probably. They know that the Order is there, but the Order is probably operating in secret. We will discover if that is the case. They know that Tikal Dundala is no friend of the Pirate League, and if they see what could be a pirate ship entering the harbor towards Stormsworth, that at the very least they're going to be challenged by whatever military vessel is there. I don't think Stormsworth is very far. I think it just takes them a couple of days. Up on deck, Nicola consults Edbert. I think it would be in our best interest if we approach Stormsworth at night. I also don't think we should sail right into the harbor. Maybe we could... Uh, Approach the island from the far side, drop anchor on the other side, and uh, row in on rowboats under cover of darkness. Get to Stormsworth on foot. Aye, that might be best. So a few days later, under cover of darkness, they approach the island that Stormsworth is on. Stormsworth is not a city, it's a large, thriving port town. And in the darkness, they can see the lights of the town way off in the distance. But can they see any lights on board the decks of possible Tikal Dondala warships in the harbor there to guard it's probably somewhat likely that there would be some sort of ships 80 percent chance of a yes and the answer is yes there are so it's not an extreme yes so i don't think there's a whole bunch of them there's maybe two a couple of frigates there's no galleons there there's a couple of frigates that's enough for, for nicola looking out at the town and and the, the the harbor through his spyglass to say two frigates at anchor in the harbor if we come anywhere near them they'll challenge us so, I think you're right, Ed, but I think we've got to go around the other side of the island and drop anchor there and approach Stormsworth on foot. By the flickering light of torches and lanterns and, and just the, the general light that's produced by a large port town, they can see several cannon towers lining the walls. So the town is fortified, difficult to approach. However, on the other side, who knows, there's probably going to be some kind of gate, but first they have to get there. So as the drunken ghoul comes around the far side of Stormsworth Island and drops its anchor, Nicola, Edbert, and Wyndham get inside the ship's launch and make their way under cover of darkness over to the rocky shores of the island, there to make their way overland to see if they can steal inside the town, find their way to the governor's fort, without alerting anybody to their presence, especially the Order, if in fact the Order is here also skulking around. Decipher the clue, the last clue, the final clue, that will reveal to them the location of the Soul Cage. Urozvath will no doubt be giving them some sort of clue or some sort of 
helping message, how to interpret this clue, to find this clue, uh, and what that message will be, what that help will be, we'll have to determine next time on the next episode of Me, Myself, and I. Thank you for joining me. Uh, please do hit like and subscribe if you haven't already, and if you want to help to support the show uh, financially, you can do so via Patreon. The link is below. Thank you so much, and we will see you next time on the next episode of Me, Myself, and Die. Thank you.